Homeschooling has really come up in the world, thanks in no small part to the pandemic we all just lived through. In this episode, we get to learn from three parents who share heartfelt insights that have led to literally expanding and deepening their definitions of parenthood, family life, and even how they perceive the role of education for kids and for ourselves. Of course, we got into one of the main issues people raise around homeschooling, socialization, social-emotional learning. We explored some realities about different kids' developing sense of self, experiences and influences that crush a healthy sense of self, and what it looks like when a healthy sense of self has not been crushed. This was definitely not a black and white, either or, one size fits all kind of conversation. In other words, some kids' sense of self develops much better away from the big school environment, while for other kids, it's the exact opposite. One of the many things I so much appreciated about this conversation was the openness and flexibility, dedication and love with, 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 with which each of today's parents addressed the wide variety of their homeschooling challenges, including curriculum selection, finding meaningful and supportive community, homeschooling multiple children, homeschooling neurodiverse kids. We even got into the fascinating topics of de-schooling and unschooling and identifying personally relevant resources, some of which are included in this, in this show's notes. Okay, so let's get this conversation started with Emma, Dawn, and Liz. Thank you for joining us on this, the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nene White, and I am your very lucky, ever curious, lifelong learning host. All right, homeschooling. I have wanted to have this conversation. I have really ha- wanted to have this conversation a long time. Uh, so thank you for accepting this invitation, you two. So we have Dawn Navaratna Singham. Did I say it correctly? That is spot on. <laughs> Yay. And Emma Westfall. Mm-hmm. And you are two homeschooling mothers. So I have 10,000 questions. I don't think I'll be able to ask all of them. And also, I just want to say that my friend Liz is going to join us as soon as she can. She had a an emergency she had to deal with, but we want to get this conversation started. So good. So... Uh, why don't you both tell us what ages your kids are and and um, wherever you think is the best place to for us to start learning how you got into this. And just remember, this is a conversation that we're having. So it's not like a formal interview. So good. Okay. okay. So whoever wants to start. Okay. Start. Or, yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, Uh, I have an 11 year old and a almost seven year old Mm -hmm. and my eldest did a little bit of preschool, like when she was three and four. Mm -hmm. And then, um, around five, we decided we were going to definitely homeschool and, um, she hasn't been in anything formal ever since. And my son has never ever been in he's never even been in a you know a soccer 
class. <laughs> like he's never even done, you know, with my daughter, we did music classes at the community center and things like that. And my son, we haven't done any of that. It's all been um, more community based within, you know, communities of homeschooling moms and friends and that kind of thing, as far as, you know, our time out in the world goes. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause that is always the question time out in the world. Yeah. We spend a lot of time in the world, but um, I don't know. It, it's a, it's really different when you see a kid that's never been in any kind of formalized educational setting of any sort. Like that's a different, it's a different breed. <laughs> it's like, and it's fascinating to watch because, um, you know, I wasn't that. I I grew up. I had an eclectic educational upbringing, but I definitely knew how to be in the system and do do the things you were supposed to do to fit in and uh I watched my little guy and he like his sense of self is just like no one nothing has ever eroded it at oh. this point oh. you know like there's no like no societal I mean he has you know there's sibling stuff and there's family stuff but there's yeah. no there's no like get in line and only speak when you raise your hand and like this kind of thing that we that most children, most adults don't even realize how much that's taken for granted that children know how to fit into that system, I guess. Wow. Um, wow. So it's fascinating. All right. So, and, and Don, I want to hear from you too, but that just raises a question of, so when your son gets into the world, can he see, oh, that's how the world does it. And he's not going to create waves or something like that. Yeah, he can. I mean, because because he is it's, it's able... not his programming. OK, go on. Right. Exactly. Like it's not his programming. I mean, I would say that he's able he will he is perfectly he's able to see it and he's happy to go along with it as long as it makes sense to him. He won't just do it because you said so, because that isn't like he's like, why? You know, like there's nothing in me that has been raised to be that way. And sometimes that's hard with parenting too, you know, and like, um, you know, sometimes it'd be really nice to just be like, do it because I said so, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, I have to remind myself and my husband that, that, that really, we can't expect that of them because we haven't raised them that way at all. You know, it's always a conversation and it's always a sharing of, of the why, um, and, and trying to have it make sense to them within their frame of their world. And he's seven. He'll be seven in two months. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good. Don. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find it fascinating because I can piggyback off of that. I have yes. like a 17 year old, 14 year old, a 10 year old and a seven year old, and they all learn very differently. And, we started, my oldest was in preschool for a year, and then I was going to enroll her for a second year when a parent pulled me aside who volunteered a lot and just told me, you know, were you aware that your daughter spends a lot of time sitting on the stairs during outside time because she was talking during circle time or something like that? So that really, <laughs> that really upset me. It was too late at that point to look for another school. So we just kept her at home that year. And then, you know, the rest is history. But but speaking to what Emma was talking about, my 14-year-old is playing 
um, on the soccer team at the local high school and she is a freshman. And there are a lot of things that go on in the school system that, you know, growing up, I never questioned, but she's like really shocked by a lot of the things that go on. Um, for example, because she's a freshman, um, she had the freshmen have to clean up all the equipment afterwards. Um, the freshmen have to wear the hand-me-down mismatched jerseys where the older kids get the brand new jerseys, plus they get the matching backpack, plus they get the personalized sweatshirt and things like that, that nobody else is questioning. Um, and she, you know, she asked me, so why do I have to call, you know, the coaches, you know, coach, whatever their last name, why, why aren't we on a first name basis? Um, things like that, that I went to high school and I just knew as a freshman, I was like bottom of the totem pole and that was just how it was. But why are these, why is the school system teaching these inequities just because you're in ninth grade? Um, and wow. she's raised some pretty, pretty valid points <laughs> that, um, like I said, I never questioned myself just because I grew up in the system. Right. But it, it's, it's really bothering me now <laughs> just to see her in it. And um, mm -hmm. like, why, why are the adults perpetuating this and, and making them, telling them that they're less than because. And then when you get to be a, a senior, then you're better than. Yes. So it's yes. the, it's the, it's both sides of it that are just so wrong on yes. so many levels. Yes. And I remember it from high school, but I don't remember the degree to which the adults contributed to this or created it. Because they've been programmed. Right. So they're creating these rules where it's setting up that system. Yeah. And not questioning them, right. but it's, it's to me, it's not right. <laughs> I, I just, oh my gosh, I, I can't stand that I only have you two for an hour and Liz has just arrived. So um, I will introduce you, but it's just, I knew that in this conversation, there would be things that I wouldn't even know to ask you because I grew up in that system. But when Emma, when you were talking about your son saying, well, why do I have to, do? I was asking why all the time and I got in trouble all the time. So it's such a natural instinct to ask why. Please sit down. Yeah. This is Emma, this is Liz, this is Don. Hi. Hi, <laughs> nice to meet you. So we just got started a few minutes ago. No worries. Yeah. I so think it's I think it's funny too that like while while the the system plays into all this hierarchy and like you need to, you know, you're lesser than and you need to work up you're that and yet and yet what are we, you know, what's being added to the curriculum? Like girls are awesome, girls can run too, like you are strong and powerful. And it's like that's being, you know, like it's being given lip service. Right. Yeah. Like we're seeing, especially in those teenage years that there's, um, you know, and we've seen that the last few years that the mental health is like, and yeah. so like people are trying to support that. And yet the system, there's no room in the system for your own self to shine, you know, unless you have a teacher that really sees you or you have parents that really see you and they're, you're able to have that space at home. You know, otherwise it's, there's a lot of kids that 
their only hope is to buckle down and and not you know not not rock the boat not make waves and just tamp down themselves a little bit more a little bit more each year so that they can get through yeah yeah oh so um any comments about that or oh um you don't have to yeah well I was just gonna say my own experience I have a 14 year old daughter and I um noticed when she moved up from elementary to middle school making that transition I noticed that the the requirements of the actual school she was going to go to, which was a very traditional, you know, sort of academically focused, you know, really geared, really focused on getting them ready for high school kind of mentality. And um, I noticed she had no room to be herself. She had no room to explore her creativity. And within a couple months of sixth grade, she was depressed. Her, um, she was acting out. She was trying to connect with kind of, you know, just sort of the, the peers I might not have chosen for her that were already having difficulties with school and drugs and things like that. And it really, you know, I decided to homeschool her because I could see that the more I, and I was a teacher too. So the more engaged I was in dealing with pandemic and all the distance learning, learning curves and stress, I couldn't be there for her. So, and I could just see that really, it was, it was lots of factors, but I think even pre-pandemic, I saw many students having that experience transitioning from where I was teaching in elementary school up into the middle school, the transition, so many kids came back and said, I hate this. I hate what we're doing. We're sitting in rows and desks and you know, they're teaching to the test and, you know, the teachers tried to implement common core, but even when you are trying really, you know, to creatively implement common core and get kids more involved in problem solving and talking to each other and communicating, it's still, there was still no room for her to be her. Yeah. So, okay. So we're all in agreement on that one. So that's our first main <laughs> thing. So <laughs> thank yeah. you. And now, oh gosh, I mean, it's just heartbreaking when you think about that. And and there are some kids that can fit into the public school and great. I mean, we're not all made where, but can we get into the details of that un, uh, demystify how you help make this happen? Dawn has four children. Emma has two. So Dawn, why don't you start with how you could possibly manage that? <laughs> Oh, homeschooling for <laughs> well with four learning style four different learning styles oh they all have very different learning styles um my oldest who's 17 she um I would say that she's gifted and I realized that at a very young age and I was like oh we've got to buckle down um you know you can do all these things so let's make sure that you take advantage of all your gifts and we had a very regimented curriculum and you know I had her doing Latin at age five it was it was pretty crazy and then um but then what happened was um there was a lot of tension between us so we would fight every day over you know the schoolwork and we were just butting heads and then she just kind of lost that natural desire to learn mm -hmm. um and it 
was really difficult to see. And um, it made me take a hard look at what I was doing. And then my third child was born. And so I had a newborn. And so I'm just like, we're just going to do a complete 180. We stopped doing anything um, formalized and we adopted like, they call it unschooling, like an unschooling philosophy where she just um, learned how she wanted, you know, we would go to the library, we would support any kind of um, subjects that she wanted to pursue and not necessarily academic subjects, Mm -hmm. um, but anything that she wanted to learn. And so I Learning is learning. Learning is learning. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, just a lot of time with like Emma said, community, finding homeschool communities, spending time with friends, um, being out in the real world, um, visiting museums, um, spending time in nature. And uh, pretty much all my kids really responded to that type of learning. And as my daughter got older, once COVID hit, she was a freshman in high school and she just decided that she, you know, she wants to go to college. So she wants to pursue all these academic um, interests of hers. She chose some curriculum and she spent COVID studying. So now she's in community college through a dual enrollment program we have here in Washington state. And she's applying to four-year colleges for next year. So she's you know, set on her path. Um, my 14 year old is one of those kids who, you know, even though she's questioning everything that's going on on her soccer team, she could easily fit into the public school system and succeed. Um, and in fact, she really likes the academic rigor. And so she's actually this year has chosen to go to online public school and is really thriving in that kind of environment fantastic yeah and then I've got my two boys my 10 year old has ADHD and dyslexia and dysgraphia Um, and so my experience with him has been completely different than that with my daughters and has required a lot of um, soul searching for me and just a lot of patience and understanding and trying to um, best support him Um, so we pretty much unschool him. Um, he thrives. And unschooling means you don't Un- have a curriculum. You follow what's interesting to him. It's in- interest-based learning, basically. Yes. What's it called? In- like in- interest-based interest- learning, interest-led learning. You don't really sit down and do any kind of formalized schoolwork. Um, you know, for example, right now he's really into the Blue Angels. So we have all these, you know, we go to the library and get books on fighter jets and pilots and everything and now he's migrating to the Titanic. So we're in this Titanic phase now, Um, you know, so he's learning a lot and we go on all sorts of homeschooling adventures. And so it's just like life-based learning pretty much. And my seven-year-old is responding to that as well. Um, He doesn't have any diagnosed um, challenges, but I'm pretty sure he's ADHD as well. Um, So see just, trying to visualize him in a formalized school setting just I think that would just be soul crushing for him um, and difficult for a teacher to manage obviously Um, my 10 year old is very sensitive I can just see him it affecting his confidence because he has those learning difficulties um, in school and so learning difficulties or attention difficulties 
learning and attention because he's dyslexic as well as, I see, as I see. ADHD. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious if as a homeschooling parent of a student who you know has very different learning style and different needs for learning, have you ever needed to or, or um, you know, draw upon the public resources of specialized education services? And can one do that, use those services that say a student with an I, who qualifies for an uh, individualized education plan? Would, have you used that service? And would you recommend parents tap into that from homeschooling program? I have not. I will say I had a meeting with the school district scheduled to try to get a diagnosis for him back in 2020 because I knew something was going on. I just didn't know what it was. And I felt like if I could identify exactly what he was struggling with, it would help me. Um, but then of course it was scheduled for March, 2020. So <laughs> that was canceled. And then we found a, a private, um, a private therapist who who did diagnose him. Um, but I obviously, I honestly have not pursued anything at the school. Um, he just, he doesn't do well sitting down um, and, and doing any kind of work on a one-on-one -on -one basis or in a group setting, honestly. Um, so I don't feel like that would be setting him up for success, not saying that it's not beneficial for other kids, but I don't think it would be beneficial for mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Emma, how do you, how do you manage it with your two? Um, are, and are you a full-time mom? Yeah. I mean, mom? yes, okay. for the most part. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, uh, we, we pretty much unschool as well. In the beginning, I, I did, you know, every fall, it's kind of a, there's tons of homeschool mom memes about this. Like the fall's coming. Everyone's talking about going back to school. I must purchase a curriculum. Maybe this curriculum will be the curriculum I follow. And, you know, the one that like, we stick to or whatever. And, and uh, I definitely fell into that for a few years. And um, I was always, I guess, so I was raised by a mother who was very into Waldorf education and that model. And she was like founded a Waldorf school. And so I, I, I never went to it, but I was raised with that um, in that style, let's say, and with that, that dogma around education and which is, very much about letting the whole spirit of the child nurturing mind, body, and spirit all yeah. along, you know? And so I have been lucky that that is, that was my base. And so I, I think that many parents come into homeschooling and they feel like they have to make it like school. And they, what, there's this term called de-schooling yeah. in the homeschool world. And you could actually like Google it. It's a thing, de-schooling. And it's, the process of realizing that the school is school is a construct and it's one way to learn, but it's not the only way. And that, you know, homeschooling doesn't have to look anything like that. Um, it's no, you know, the, the learning is no less valuable or, or valid, I Absolutely. guess. Um, so I don't feel like I had to de-school a whole lot. Like I was able to follow my kids leads and feel comfortable with that because that was my instinct as a parent. And I had kind of surrendered 
that that was how I was going to parent. And my husband was on board too. Um, nice. And so, and, and my daughter, um, my daughter is on the autism spectrum. She's very high functioning, but it, it, um, she deals with a lot of anxiety and it comes up um, if there's any sort of pressure, perceived pressure even in her system. So, you know, somebody telling her what to do is pressure and her needing whether she, you know, and, and if it's someone she respects, she wants to do it and she wants to do it well and she wants to do it perfectly and she doesn't want to mess up and she doesn't want to practice until she gets good at it. She wants to do it and, you know, be good at it. And I watched that um, pretty early on. Actually, at first we did, I was going to homeschool through a parent partnership with the public school in our um, district because they have, they even have a whole campus for homeschoolers here in our town in Washington. Um, and that to me seemed, and I liked the director and it, for me, it felt like a good balance of, you know, doing our own thing, but having this solid, like brick and mortar community to go to and, um, and my daughter flat out was like, like I got us all signed up and we went for like the initial like meeting of how it all goes. And she like, it was the first um, like meltdown I'd ever really seen her do. That was like a textbook kind of autistic meltdown. <laughs> and she just, she like hit the floor and just like screamed and sobbed through the entire, <laughs> entire me trying to talk with this woman. And at and that point, was she? how old was she? She was five. And at that point, we didn't have a diagnosis or like anything. It was just like I knew she was a, you know, highly sensitive and like, you know, extra vibrant and all these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember sitting there being like, La. <laughs> um, and the woman being like, you know, we have a lot of special learners here. We we make space for special oh. learners. <laughs> I was like, did you feel like you were a terrible mother or she thought you were a terrible I, mother? I, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, it was just weird, you know, yeah, yeah. and and I, it was harder for me. Like that was a very clear signal, I guess, as a homeschool, as a parent in general, you learn to listen to your children, right? You learn to listen, not just to their words, but to their, um, to their actions and to how they're behaving. You know, you learn, it's all signals. It's all clues. Right. Mm -hmm. And as a homeschool parent, we're with our kids like all the time, you know? I mean, it, that can look different for everyone, but it's, um, I feel like that's what homeschooling is. It is becoming, it is allowing, giving yourself permission to study your child and, and follow their cues and to really trust their wisdom and that they are these whole people. And yes, we're here to provide boundaries and keep them safe and guide them, but, but they're their own soul and they're here for a reason and a purpose. And I don't know what that is. I can guess, I can make conjectures, but I can't, it's not, that's not my job. You know, my job is to help them just to, you know, to, to follow their passion. Right. And so I feel like overall, that's been the biggest learning for me as a homeschool parent is that that is the biggest part of my work. It's not really about teaching them to read or do math or follow rules or I don't know, you know, it's like, it's about, um, and it's also what I prioritize, you know, my whole work in the world and in my professional life is about helping grownups find their essence again. And so it's like, if I'm not 
Like, what if I did that with my children from the very beginning? You know, what if they didn't have to lose it? What if? Um, and I think the more, you know, the, certainly the people that I hang with in the homeschooling world, that's really their, that's really the foundation they're coming from as well, you know, more and more. Yeah. And it's a beautiful movement. What a concept. What a concept. Yeah. yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Did you want to say anything? As parents and educators, one of our main responsibilities is to encourage kids' constructive problem-solving skills. At a certain point, earlier rather than later, preferably, kids need a gazillion opportunities to solve their own problems, their own challenges, for the sake of their own friendships, their own relationships, their confident interactions in the world around them. Kids need to get good at collaborating and cooperating with peers and adults because collaboration and cooperation are skills that will serve them their entire lives. Hopefully, when kids' poor decisions and problem-causing behaviors show up in your home and classroom, you haven't exhausted yourself with repetitive lectures that mostly get ignored or with the unsatisfying cycle of rewards and punishments. Ugh. Horrible. Been there. And I am so done with that. At a certain point in my teaching career and in my life as a parent of two wildly wonderful and independent children, I realized that telling my kids and my students what to do, once it was clear that they already knew what to do, was a waste of my energy and was also wasting opportunities to get kids solving and correcting their own problems problem-causing behaviors. And that's when the light bulb moment happened for me. Get kids preemptively thinking together about relevant challenges and problems in ways that activate their own natural instincts to shine in their groups, to be the expert with the sharpest answers. There is so much more that I'd love to share with you from my years in the classroom around this this uh, challenge of us, an approach that was almost too easy once I figured out the formula for drawing out the best that's already inside of kids for helping them to become their own best versions of themselves without even trying, really. Want to know more? I hope so. Please like the Facebook page for this podcast and you'll be able to see when I've put together a beta course for an adventurous group of early childhood educators. Okay, back to this great conversation. Um, I, I just feel like one thing that's coming to me, because this really is a new conversation for me. I have never talked to you know, had a real conversation, just maybe, oh, you homeschool, you know, but never like this prolonged going deep conversation. So I really am really enjoying and appreciating and learning a lot here. And one of the thoughts that came to me was that um, learning is happening all the time. It's not just in this window of eight o'clock in the morning until three in the afternoon. Learning is, it's life. Life is learning. Mm-hmm. and and there's it doesn't shut on and start off and all that jazz it's just like uh, sets you up for a whole other different life of being a lifelong learner yeah which creates a whole other 
world of humanity because you see so many people my age who stopped that lifelong learning a long time ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see them uh, heading up our governments. <laughs> and because they've got all the answers that they got a long time ago. And so you see where I'm going with that. But I, I, anyway, that's what I'm, I've am i gained right now from this conversation. So I will stop talking and uh, I will ask you another question unless you have a question to ask. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Um, so... So it seems like you had home, we have homeschooling, unschooling, de-schooling. <laughs> are, are those three distinctions that we should should hold in mind, do you think? Is there a purpose to holding those three in mind? I, I think homeschooling is just the overall umbrella term. I mean, there's so many things that fall under homeschooling. De-schooling is more the process of um trying to, I don't know if this is the right word, but separate yourself from that mentality of Mm -hmm. school. Being tied Um, to curriculum and state standards and someone else's sort of pacing and directive of what should be happening at every developmental stage. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I, I, I feel like, and I think Emma can probably speak more to it as well. I think it's really the process. It's the process very like the very first part of de-schooling is realizing that you are so enmeshed in this system that and that you're you're so enmeshed that you didn't even know you were kind of thing. And that and then and that can be like because it's pervasive to all parts of our life, really. And so um I think and and the people say, like homeschool experts say that the longer the longer a child has been in the system and the older they are, the longer it will take them to de-school and to, and that some of that's personality and family related, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's interesting. And the thing about the different categories of homeschooling, especially now, because homeschooling is more on the radar and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of hip to homeschool and things like that. There's, um, it's just like anything. There's, there's people you know, there's like radical unschoolers, they call themselves. And that's like this whole other kettle of fish that's very, and people are like almost militant about them, that they are radical unschoolers. And they, and that's, they have a whole philosophy that goes with being radical unschoolers. Mm -hmm. And then there's like classical homeschoolers who probably are going to take out their books and work every day together from nine to one and do all their subjects and hand it in to their mom. You know, there's, there's so much variety and there's so much, um, some of it depends on your state's laws, like how much you have to prove that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that is state dependent, but, mm-hmm. you know, even within that, there is so much room to craft the learning that works for you and your family and your children. And that's the thing, you know, too, is that um, it's a lot to be on all the time as a parent and as, you know, holding that space for learning. And so certainly what I've learned, and I know Don and I have talked about this, it's like, we have, as the parents, we have to be living our fullest life also and and modeling that like that becomes I mean we're always supposed to be doing that right but like as a homeschooling parent it becomes paramount because you just burn out you know if you're not um 
having your own adventures too, basically, you doing know, you. Yeah. yeah, doing you. If like, if that's yeah. what, if that's what I'm most want to teach my children is how to do themselves, then, you know, that's a high, I got to do me. Yeah. Um, and they get to come with that. <laughs> they get to come with me on that journey, you know? I love, um, I love that. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a lot of beautiful, there's this beautiful woman, um, Ainsley Adams, wild and free is her kind of movement she started. And she was the first person to kind of actually write to the public about this type of I don't, I, nature-based, soul-based, whole child-based type of parenting, family living, homeschooling, um, in a way that, that like that me and my people were doing, but she was the first one to like put words to it. And it's been really beautiful to see it take off. Like she does conferences a couple times a year, or at least once a year. And they're like packed, like families come from all over to listen to these speakers. And she just published another book. Like, I mean, it's been, it's been beautiful to see it just to, to see it inspire a lot of people. And I think it's helped people find their way faster or trust their own intuition as a homeschooling parent faster. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, that brings me to, I guess, an important question I wanted to ask. What are, what are some other sort of mentors that you both have sort of, um, you know, looked to as far as other kinds of mentors or resources that you both actually use that are that you find to be really helpful and that you might advise you know share advice other people towards i would say definitely the wild and free um folks and then also um julie bogart brave brave writer is her program and she has a book called brave learner and she's she's my favorite um really and uh like if i need inspiration um and there's another woman who's a wonderful homeschool coach that I follow very closely because she's a mom and she's in the trenches and she is able to talk about it. And her name is Kelly Edwards. And she has a program called the 90 minute school day. Wow. And she also, her kids all have different diagnoses and she's very, you know, but she has a wonderful way of creating structure and rhythm and meeting all of their needs and running her own business at the same time um, um and then don there's all the i mean there's tons of literature on unschooling like john oh, Holt yeah. and yeah that's the big one john, john Holt. Holt. yeah 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 and i mean i'll be honest i haven't read a book about homeschooling in many years <laughs> um except I, for I'm brave like, learner i like yeah. i like we'll open it up and just be like oh right i'm doing this right it's okay it's all okay <laughs> <laughs> right right i i would say that over the past i don't know maybe even 10 years i guess my mentors have been fellow homeschoolers um and, and not yeah. authors or or anything and just because all my kids are so different there is just no one way. I mean, I could have a preference, but that's not going to fit each of my kids. So, you know, I practice different styles with all of them. Like I said, my 14 year old is now in public school. So, and my 17 year old is doing her own thing. And, and so it's just been about me just trusting 
like Emma was saying, trusting my own kids to tell me, show me how they best learn. So that's something that I've just had to learn throughout the process. Yeah. Um, I, I want to make sure that we ask the obvious, the elephant in the room thing about the socialization and everything. Um, but I also want to ask this point that you just brought up that some of your best learning is with other moms that are doing this. And so I thought it'd be fun to hear about how you two connected and what, what, what you two get out of this friendship. And so those two things, if you want to weave those two topics into what you talk about next. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy to speak to it. I mean, I, um, yeah, I've just made some of the closest friends that I've ever had through homeschooling. Um, Shared value. And, shared values and been inspired and been supported because we all have really hard days right some of us more than others um, <laughs> and you know so I I think that has homeschool I don't just homeschool for my children I guess is what I'm saying I'm homeschooling for myself too um and yeah. then yeah for both of you yeah and Emma was speaking to you know following your own passions and desires and finding out who you are and what you want to do in your life. And that's really, um, that's been on in the back of my mind since my youngest was born. I'm like, okay, well now I'm, I have this newborn and I'm 40 years old. When is it going to be my turn? Mm -hmm. Um, my turn, so to speak. So <laughs> that's been on the back of my mind. So as he's gotten older, I'm like, well, I, I want, I still want to homeschool my kids. I want to be available when they need me. So I would like to build this business. Um, and so I've been kind of doing that for the past couple of years. And then um, Emma and I have been in the Seattle homeschooling community, but haven't crossed paths. And then we signed up for the same business coaching program. And I posted in the Facebook group and she responded. And then I'm like, oh, she's also in this other homeschooling group with me. That's and she lives in the same city as I do. And so we just kind of started talking over, you know, Facebook Messenger. And um, we have her kids are the pretty much the same ages as my younger two. And, and then she's really into nature. And she was very, um, she's really inspiring me because I love to hike, but I just make excuses as to why I don't. So <laughs> she's like, well, let's, let's you know, let's meet up, let's have a quote business meeting and go for this incredible hike <laughs> up this tall mountain. Let's summit a mountain. Let's go for a little hike. Oh, so yes, we came, we met each other that way. We had this incredible day, um, found out we basically have the same dog. Um, they are like identical twins, um, and, you know, really bonded and, um, learned more about each other's kids. And we're like, well, our kids just have to meet. And so, um, they met a few weeks ago, um, and they've, you know, I feel like they've really hit it off. I know oh. that, um, you know, it's, it's just been great. And Emma's just, uh, I don't know that she's introducing, but she is, um, making it clear to me that 
how important it is to have my kids uh, outside um, in nature, just exploring and having fun because I would take my boys for hikes and I'd be like, okay, we've got six miles. Let's just keep going. Go, 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 go. Cause that's just how I am. Yeah. Um, but she's like, well, let's, let's just let them play here. And so they would just, we just had the most incredible time, especially a um, couple, well, each time we've met, but just watching them in nature, enjoying each other's company and learning so much um just by playing I know that Emma can speak so much more eloquently to this but I really have I I appreciate her she is an incredible human and I'm just so grateful that we have crossed paths this way yeah thank you John <laughs> the same way um I think what I and what I've loved watching our children <laughs> well first of all to have your boys be like you guys are hardcore. <laughs> oh, six miles? Get it. Oh, no, not six miles. Oh. Like rolling down like a sand cliff, you know, and having to like climb up on hand. Like that's what we did the first time we met. I was like, so there is this other thing we can do. I don't know if you're into <laughs> it, but like it's something we do. And they were like, okay. <laughs> They're like, wow, we get to... They, they got wet and then they rolled in sand on the way oh. up and they were, it was, you know, just, it was fantastic. Just. Yeah. And, and I have loved, you know, my daughter, um, I mean, she's 11. And so she, we're kind of, we've hit puberty and we're in this tween zone where, um, and she has a lot of, she can, she handles herself socially just fine, but it's hard for her. It's there's a lot, it brings up her anxiety. And so if she has to be with people, she doesn't know if she has to be in a lot of people's kind of situation for very long, it, it's very sensory overload for her. And um, I've loved watching her with your boys, just like feeling like she's, I can tell she feels safe and like feels seen and feels met because she's her, full vibrant self which is the person we know and see but she has a harder time sometimes if she's not comfortable in the situation allowing that out I mean just like we all do you know but it's like you watch your children um and it's just beautiful to see her feel like and all of them to feel strong and powerful you know and like to just go for it <laughs> like decide to get wet and decide to get muddy and uh yeah i love it um yeah. when you talk about your daughter just the shine doesn't get diminished around don's sons mm -hmm. then you know i think about what would happen if it did get diminished in a different setting and how long would you have to backtrack to get that back yeah i think she would be a kid who and um, force it you couldn't force her to shine in, in situations no and she's a tricky one I mean she's you know she's a she's um she's she's tricky she's brilliant and like so capable and unless it um you know unless it speaks to her passion unless it speaks to her interest it it's not interesting to her you know and she and and she'll act like she does it like she'll act like she can't I guess let's say like that like my her brain won't work to sit down and do a math worksheet you know like 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 that kind of learning is like 
just like tears and sobbing and like I my brain doesn't work this way but like if I if we're grocery shopping and I like I'm doing math out loud in my head and I make a mistake on purpose you bet she's gonna catch me and she's gonna school me on like how I did it wrong and like you know or like grammar and things like that she's so funny she'll be like you guys are so like oh my god I can't believe you said that (laughs) Oh, do you love that? Mm-hmm. We're like, who are you? Um, I and I appreciate you pointing out the natural ways in which that learning happens. Yeah, yeah. And sure. that you are learning from the student. You know, the teacher's learning from the student as much as the student yeah. learns from the teacher. Ideally, yeah. Perfect Definitely. example of that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of that. And I think I think that especially when you've been doing it a while, you start to um, do a lot of those, like, you're always creating space for those learning moments. I I feel like as a homeschooling parent and you get better, it becomes more organic and like, I don't do it consciously necessarily at that much at all. But then if I start worrying that I'm not doing enough or whatever it is, um, and I start reading other people's advice or curriculums, I'm like, oh, they're just telling me to do what we're already doing, you know, like, like it's, it's okay. Um, it's just part of our life. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I need a a lot of nature time to be a happy person. And that's, you know, it's how my husband and I met and, and connected. And so it's like the, the core premise of our whole family in a way is, is being, um, immersed in nature and animals, um, and, and living that style of life. And so that is very much, sometimes I tell people that nature immersion is our curriculum <sighs> and that, and that the the learning stems from that. And I see my children are as far as, especially as far as neuroregulation goes, they are way more regulated if they've had a lot of time outside, you know, they're way more, um, grounded and present and just everything's working better. And I, I I think I've seen research on that. There's tons of research on that now. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and barefoot being barefoot. I mean, there's so much science to back up what our children do naturally if we let them, you know, which is great. It's yeah. The sensory experiences of being in nature, the extra, the natural exercise, all the oxygen in the fresh air. Um, and I'm just curious if you have specific suggestions as far as um, people interested in homeschooling. What about getting enough? Like, like, have you ever had the fears or difficulty getting enough physical activity in for your kids and also getting enough of your own time? Because so much physical activity, so much of physical activity requires some level of facilitation or supervision, both for safety and depending on if others or other kids are involved. And I mean, I guess there's sort of solo, solo physical activities, and then there's group, you know, or paired physical activities. And what kinds of things have worked well for you guys or challenges you've had maybe? I feel like that's been, um, that's definitely been something I've had to look at consciously. And in the beginning, it was easy when they were young because I could strap them on my back or push them in the stroller and and we would just go, you know, and um, and then as they've gotten older and heavier and more opinionated, 
can't carry them <laughs> and they have, you know, more to say about it. Um, and I, so like what we do right now is I try to get out every morning for a solo walk by myself before my husband goes to work, me and my dogs and we walk. And, um, you know, that can be 30 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on when I get outside. Um, and that is my one time alone in my own headspace for the day often. And it's also physical exercise. And, um, and then with the kids, I pretty much like one of my only requirements is that they get outside time every day. And so we have like home days and then we have like, we, like we call them home days and then we call them like adventure days basically. And that's like how we live. And so on a home day, there's not a lot of pressure on them to do much except that they know they have to have a couple hours outside and that can just be in the backyard. That can be, you know, we have chickens, we have dogs, we have bunnies, like that can be engaging in the yard. That can be on the swing set. That can be on the trampoline that can be playing with each other. I'm not necessarily going to make them go for a walk around the neighborhood or anything like that. Um, but then, you know, probably three times a week, we do something that's more focused like a hike or a, you know, out of the, out of our, off our property where they have to actually really engage and move their bodies. And, um, and that, that works, you know, that works pretty well for now. Um, and I, I guess I've had to like, recently I've had to take care of my own exercise needs and let, and, and let, and not worry as much about theirs. And I, I don't know if that is, like it's been more important for me to get out for big hikes with other grown-ups than to um you know drag make them drag them along too yeah. every time um good yeah any thoughts done on that subject yeah. well like emma i take my own walks every morning um i get up before my kids and sometimes they'll be up by the time i get home but I had the luxury of having two teenage girls at home so I can, you know, leave and not have to worry about the younger ones, mm. but it, it is my time and I treasure it. And I go down to the beach every day and, um, you know, see seals, see otters, see, you know, all sorts of things, eagles. And, um, it's just my time to empty my mind and get it ready for the day ahead. So, I, I go every single day. I just, I don't miss a day. If I had to be somewhere early, I'll get up when it's dark. I don't care. I'm just going to go for my walk. Um, right. it's, it's that important, um, for me. And it's important for my kids that I have that time, um, because it'll come out, you know, yeah. if I don't, um, but I don't really worry about my kids with exercise. Um, you know, my oldest, she's really into going to the gym now. My 14 year old is a soccer player. Um, my two boys are also, they play rec soccer and we have, um, two park days that we go to every week with homeschoolers where we're there for at least three hours and they're running around with their friends. Um, and we have a trampoline at home and my boys, we, they go for bike rides around the neighborhood and, and things like that. So, um, they, they lead pretty active lives. Um, it's not to say that they wouldn't complain or they didn't complain when, 
you know, we would go for hikes and I would make them go, go, go. <laughs> um, so I've just kind of learned to back off and they, they get exercise in fun ways and they don't really even think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like one of the concerns that was in the back of my mind always when I heard, when I first heard about homeschooling and unschooling and all that was, well, where is the motivation to get mm. stuff done? You know, uh, am I programmed or what? You know, <laughs> good old American work ethic. And I just am not getting any concerns about that, that they're just because they can follow their own rhythms and their own interests. And yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you, if, if you know people who have a problem with this, or if, I mean, I think there may be some um, parents out there that might have a concern about screen time and the risk of, you know, homeschooling your kid and then having battles over getting off the video games or, and, and what are your suggestions around that? I mean, do you, do you have limits and set limits around that? Do you even, I mean, some many Waldorf style families may not have the technology to begin with for them to access, but that we we didn't have it for a while and that was pretty important um because i knew it was going to be a slippery slope but um so i we didn't we didn't do any tech with my daughter until i was pregnant with my second and so she was four um so she was like totally innocent and pure until then and i was like i need some help and i don't have any so watch some movies um and I, I mean, we've done different things and um, I'd say it it's not an area I feel totally like, yay, we have it all figured out in. I feel like it changes as they, of course, as, you know, they age. And also like for a long time, um, we listen to a lot of audiobooks. Like they, they listen to, they have free range of listening to any audiobook they want to basically and so they listen to hours and hours of audiobooks some days um and they they'll listen to whole series and over and over again you know and then they have dialogues about them and um they become part of our world and um for a long time it was just audiobooks and they would like listen while they were drawing or they're both both my kids are very artistic so you know building with legos or drawing and they'd be listening to the audiobooks and um and then we introduced iPads and that has been a harder, that's been harder because they, um, they use them to listen to their audiobooks, but then it's this bigger screen and they are both very into creating art and they've learned how to create amazing digital art. And so it's that, I find that a very hard line as a parent right now to distinguish what is just like screen t- it's not like they're gaming all day we have very strong limits around gaming times like there's only they know when they can game and when they can't and it's like the ipads are like there's no wiggle room on that but like the other stuff like well you're making art you know and you're listening to literature <laughs> like how you know what where does that fit um and uh that's definitely something I struggle with as a parent and because I'm okay with some of it. And I also see it not being that great for them if they're doing it every day, all day long. You know, I can see the ramifications, even if they're just listening to audiobooks and like creating digital art, like there's something about 
that time with the, I mean, it's like, I feel if I've been staring at my phone, creating Instagram posts, you know, it's like, even if what the work I'm doing is engaging with other people and creative, there's something about my attention being focused in this small space that um, is weird. And I see that in my children and I, and I am always working for a balance, I guess that's my best. I don't know if that's always just working for a balance and looking at the bigger picture and making sure they have their outside time and that, you know, we're about to go on a two plus road trip and their iPads are going to die two plus week road trip. Their iPads are going to die <laughs> and we're going to be camping in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, they'll be okay with that too. Like they're adaptable. Um, Okay. I don't know. Done. Yeah. I mean, I had the same struggles and we also have limits. Okay. They know that this time of day is the time that they can do gaming. That's yeah. it. They don't ever ask to do it outside that time. Um, but like my 10 year old, he loves to make stop motion videos. So he's making yeah. all sorts of Lego stop motion videos and um, is almost obsessed with it. So I'm not sure if he's obsessed with the creative yeah. aspect or the if he's obsessed with using his device mm -hmm. um but he's made some pretty incredible videos and so i don't want to discourage that um but like emma says we have days when we're out of the house and doing a lot of other stuff yeah. um that kind of balances out the times that he's at home and he's busy making his videos yeah. and so i'm trying to become more okay with that because um you know, I just don't think that we have any long-term data on whether or not this is going to negatively impact our kids or if it could possibly, you know, have a more positive impact. Of course, I don't think the gaming and everything, but as far as using technology for these creative outlets, um, yeah. you know, I'm hoping that it's beneficial in the long-term because it certainly has provided him with a lot of inspiration to be creative with his hands and and come up with a lot of different plot lines and mm -hmm. and things like that and you know becoming like an architect almost and drawing blueprints of what he wants to make and uh, creating them and and so for for me I think it's it's positive at least for him um, or at least that's what I've been telling myself. <laughs> oh, I think continue to tell yourself that because it's a tool. It's a tool yeah. if it's yeah. in balance and balance is always yeah. like. It seems like something you two are very, very uh, prioritizing. And so mm -hmm. that's and what my children say to me. They're like, we know it's all about balance. Uh -huh. <laughs> I say it to them so much. Yeah. And we do live in the world. And, and that's one thing, you know, about this conversation about the homeschooling universe is that we still are in the world. And if, if we disassociate it from, from it so much and our, yeah, it's, it's, a, it doesn't seem harmful to me. And that's just my opinion. But um, I think if the world is doing that, if it's using that tech tool to create, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be scary or bad or threatening. I, um, I would say, actually, just from my personal experience, um, because I was raised in a Waldorf household, yeah, we had no, we had no screens. Right, right. We like my mom would rent a VCR maybe twice a year if we got really sick, you know, and we were allowed to watch like three movies and the, just those movies, and like, right. I mean, it was like nothing. And um, 
And because of that, I had no, and I also wasn't, I did a mix of private school and homeschool and I was never in the public school system. I had no, um, I had zero exposure to pop culture as a child, yeah. which is, which in some ways was amazing. And also when I got to high school, it was, it felt really hard. Like I didn't have a way, um, I didn't, I couldn't talk about anything that the other kids were talking about. Like I had no way in unless we want to talk about horses, you know, and like, it's like, um, and I have felt that for myself and, and been very aware of that with my own children. And again, wanting a balance for them, you know, and, um, they've learned, they learned stuff on YouTube that, you know, I'm like, how did you know that? Oh, well, I was curious about it. And I looked it up on YouTube, you know, <laughs> and it's like, that's a resource we have. And, and I would also say that um, my daughter was slow to read, like she had all the tools, but it, she didn't want to practice and she didn't want to appear. She didn't want to struggle. She wanted to just be able to do it. And the thing that actually pushed her into reading was that there's this beautiful video game about the wolves in Yellowstone. And it's very, you know, it's based on growing a wolf pack and it's very, it's like set in Yellowstone and all this stuff. And that was like her first video game we let her play. And she got sick of asking us to read the stuff that popped up on the screen about what her wolves were doing. Cause she'd have to be like, Hey, you guys, I don't, I don't know what, like it's too big of a paragraph. I can't read it. And we'd be like, okay. And she just got tired of it. And then like yeah. a couple months went by and all of a sudden she wasn't asking anymore. And I was like, yeah, what are you doing? she's like, Oh, well, I'm reading them you know, and like, so, and with math too, like that's the one, there's a couple math um, games and like apps that she really loves and they work for her brain and she will go, you know, she'll like cover a quarter of a curriculum in a month just because it's just fun and it, it pulls her in and then she won't play it for a couple of months. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, Hey, you haven't, and she'll try it. She'll do again, you know? And so it is, it's a tool you know, and it's a tool yeah. to use in a balanced way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I feel like uh, I have to let you go because you have <laughs> places to go and people to meet, but um, is there some way that people could connect with you too, to ask questions or is that an appropriate ask? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, because of my son, he has inspired me to start my own business um, because he has dyslexia and ADHD um, and dysgraphia. And I'm a health coach. So I was curious, you know, is there anything that I can do for him nutritionally to better support him? And so, you know, I did research for over a year and really helped him make great strides. Um, so now I'm teaching others how to do the same thing. So um, yeah, people can definitely reach out to me. I have my own website. It's Dawn Nava coaching, D A W N N A V A coaching.com. Okay. Um, and there's links to my email there, um, as well. If anybody wants to send me a message, I'm happy to answer questions about my business or just homeschooling in general. Fabulous. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll post all that in the show's notes for sure. The links and everything. Um, you the best place to find me right now is probably on Instagram. Okay. And my 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 name is Earth on My Skin. Oh. So at Earth on My Skin. Um and I I'm you know like Don mentioned we she and I met in this 
uh, you know, business coaching group. And I, I'm actually a, a licensed acupuncturist. And so all my, my professional training is in energy work and in, and in health and wellness. Um, and so that obviously influences the way I raise my children and homeschool them as well. Um, and so on Instagram, mostly at this point, it's kind of a catalog of my outdoor adventures with my children. It's a it's a photo album of our unschooling <laughs> adventure life. And I am also um, I've created a rite of passage journey program for women in their late 30s through 40s, um, really honoring that threshold decade of the 40s and looking at our life up to now, up to that point and the future and reframing perimenopause and menopause and looking at it all through an energetic lens. So I'm starting to talk about that more on Instagram as well. Fascinating. Okay. So we'll get those links and, and yeah. put in the show's notes. Very yeah. exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I think it's really critical. It's critical in these times. And, um, you know, after having a year of, I, being in the public education system for four, you know, how many years, what, 38 years of my life in one capacity or another, yeah. deciding to leave and homeschool my, my daughter for one year, even though it was only one year, it was the eighth grade. She chose to go back to, she wanted to try a traditional high school, mm -hmm. but she's so prepared for high school. Mm -hmm. Part of it is that it, we did really have a wonderful education we we were in good schools you know we I taught in a good school she went to a good school but there were so many things about it that were so unhealthy for me as a as a woman as a parent even as a teacher I mean so many so many of those really hard days where I went home just going uh I can't do any of it well you know and that that year was so critical where I spent time with her I just feel like it was a complete a complete reset to my whole system and my whole programming. And I'm really excited to talk to, to others who want to do it. And also I'm, I just think it's, it's critical time for us all to reflect on how our public education system is supporting and not solving and not helping to solve a lot of the, the larger problems that we have in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I just think homeschooling is a great, a great thing to explore and thanks for putting yourselves out there and and um being available for others to learn from thanks so much for having us yeah i think it's interesting because in you know in the sort of entrepreneur world there's a lot of talk about how you know people saying my public school education didn't prepare me to think creatively yes. and think independently and um do my own thing, you know, like they, and like, it's fascinating to hear grownups say that. And, uh, you know, when people ask my children what they want to be when they grow up, first of all, that question is <laughs> like, like, what's your favorite subject in school? What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, how, when's your birthday? How old are you? Like, those are like, what do those really tell us about, you know, they're just kind of like questions that are okay to ask. Right. And, I watched my little guy, somebody asked him what he wanted to do when he grew up. And he was like, why should I know that now? And ah. they were like, well, blah, blah, blah. You know, and he was like, well, duh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm never, I'm not going to work for somebody in somebody's business, you know, ah. like, 
I'm, I'm going to create my own thing, you know? And it was just like, there was no, like, that's, I mean, that's the life he knows, you know, but it's also like, that's what is, I mean, that's what is in alignment with his essence right now. And we'll see. It's just funny. Like he's already there where there's all these people and they're these adults who are like breaking out of corporate and, you know, <laughs> making like having to like change their whole life and all this thing. And yeah, and it's scary and it's stressful. I mean, it was really <laughs> stressful and scary for me to leave yeah. public education as mm -hmm. a, as the, I was an education specialist. So I worked with kids with special needs. And part of it was that I couldn't leave because I loved the work. You know, there's so much intrinsic reward and building teams to support kids with individual needs. But what you guys are doing is that. Yeah, You know, I mean, you were individualizing and supporting your kids and learning about what their needs are and you're pulling the resources you need to support you along the way. And at the root level, at the root level. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Um, and it's just a really beautiful thing. And something similar happened with my daughter when she went to school, started her first week of ninth grade. She came home one day and said, mom, I know I don't want to be an architect. <laughs> just, and she started listing all these professions. I, I'm not going to be a firefighter or a police officer. And she was really anxious about mm -hmm. the fact that she was starting high school and it was her first week in high school. And she still, still didn't know what she was going to be when she grew up. And I thought, well, this is kind of sad. I had to do, you know, like yeah. sit with her and have a considerable, you know, amount of like tension and conversation around that and, and guide her to drop it and not care. Yeah. But she doesn't have that all figured out. Well, this could be a whole separate conversation, <laughs> but because yeah. my 17 year old is, you know, applying to four-year colleges, if that's the path and they shouldn't even have to figure out if that's the path they want in ninth grade, but there are specific subjects that you have to have covered throughout your high school career if you want to go to college for you know certain subjects or majors right. um and so the whole system college and public school and they perpetuate that they encourage you to know what you want to do in life as early as possible and they set up these parameters that require you to make these decisions at a very young age when you should not even be thinking about it yeah. Um, just kind of my two cents as I'm in the middle of this process with my daughter. Yeah. Um, actually, before I let you go, I realize in my mind, I'm always making these connections, how this all connects to kids' social and emotional and life skills development. But um, maybe you could just share with us a little bit in how you perceive it. Um, because this is called the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. And I, I see everything that you've been sharing with us as relevant, but I'd love to hear in your own words. And if you want to say something too, because I, 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 it's so important that it all be connected to who each person, each child, each parent is. Yeah. So like how homeschooling supports social emotional development or well, just whatever, whatever you see as that part of your children. And we have talked about it to some degree, but just if you want to just, just unpack it in a way that's just very, very clear, this conversation is extremely relevant to the, the, that dimension of life that is the social and emotional 
side of kids' development. It's not just all about what are they learning. I think for me, um, as a parent, I knew because of my own, um, because of my own life and my own, uh, you know, professional training and my own journey, I knew that as a parent, my biggest number one priority was that my children developed emotional intelligence. Like, I remember saying that when, to, when they were, when my first one was born, like, I don't care if they never read or like get good jobs or any, I don't care about any of that. I care that they understand how to deal with their own. They understand themselves, who they are uniquely and how their own psyche and neuro neurological makeup behaves in the world and that they become masters of that and their own emotional world, that they know how to navigate that. Mm -hmm. And so in the, in, you know, that was like my top priority. Um, and there was sort of no way we couldn't homeschool <laughs> with yeah. that being my top priority. Sure. Um, and, uh, so I, you know, I think that again, there's many ways to homeschool and not everyone does it this way. Um, but more and more so there is permission in homeschooling to have it be, have homeschooling be a conversation between the parent and the child. It's not a, um, it's not a one-way street. It's not me saying you need to learn this. It's saying, Hey, how are you today as a person in this world? <laughs> you know, like, I feel like that's what my kids and I do every day. Like, Hey, how are you doing being alive today? You know, like how are, how are your emotions? How are your, how are you feeling? Um, and that affects everything else. Yeah. And then we base our day. Like we have the luxury of crafting a day that speaks to that, yep. you know, to help create more balance. And some days there's stuff we have to do, but there's a lot of, like, I've learned that for my family, having stuff to do every day doesn't work. It doesn't make any of us happy. Like we need, like, like we do really well on like an every other day schedule you know where there's like stuff to do and then there's a flow day where we get to just each be and like that works really well it brings out the best of us and um yeah I think that that's uh you know and even like I'm about to do this big adventure with them and and I know that it's going to be we're going to be out of our home environment we're going it's going to be stressful it's going to be it, it could feel like a lot of on days because we'll be traveling and we're going to be meeting friends along the way and like doing lots of stuff. But I'm even like mapping that into my itinerary and being like, well, we're going to have these intense days. So I'm going to need to like just hang out at a campsite for like 24 hours with them and not make them do anything. If I want them to be happy and stay and not get burned out, you know, it's like, I just know that, like, I know that's my kid. Those are my kids. And that's, that is my work as their mother and as, you know, as their homeschooling parent. Um, it's like, that's what they need to thrive. So that's what I can give them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how much more I can add to that, but, you know, just to echo what Emma said, it is for me, homeschooling is about the individual, not my kids as a collective um, because they are all so unique. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult with four. I'm not going to lie. Um, my older two 
are very busy individuals. So that takes up a lot of my time. So I try to make sure that my boys have all the time that they can to just be themselves, explore, be with friends, um, go on adventures. Um, and they just, they don't, they're not, um, like I, I remember as a kid and even as a young adult, just being very, um, not scared, but maybe intimidated by authority figures, but they just go out in the world and, you know, if they go to the doctor, they just have such easy conversations. Um, you know, when we were meeting with Emma, um, last week, you know, they were just like, Emma, 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 asking her question after question after question. And, and I love that. I don't, I, 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 I just want them to feel a part of this world. I want them to know that, you know, it's, it's doesn't have to be scary and, um, that they have something valuable to contribute and that other people are important too. Beautiful. Well, it seems that the beauty of a homeschool experience is that there is an adult loving, caring guide present to the student, to the learner. And that is as much as educators try in a public education or even a private school setting we are not able to do for any one student what their own loving caregivers can do if they have the time and space and are are able to have the resources or the faculties or the motivation and passion to do it and really isn't that at the heart of social emotional learning it's being loved and loving and having that opportunity over and over and getting getting a way to practice in all kinds of experiences and dynamics that that happen in our natural families. They happen in our day-to-day within our homes and on our daily adventures and our trips to the store and to the community. You know, there are those are real life experiences. And when those things can be safely explored with somebody who we trust and love, even if they just blew up on us because they were, mom was dysregulated and angry, but mom is always there. And mom has those days too. Or, you know, I just, I've noticed that my daughter has really been able to look at, and maybe it's her age, maybe it's because she's 14, but she's been able to be so much more aware this year about who her parents really are, who we are as people. She sees us in a different way. Maybe it's a develop, maybe it's developmentally appropriate, but um, I see that there's a, there, her ability to communicate about emotions or even to just recognize in herself when she can't, when she's not able to access the words to that question that that person asked me, she can find some place to talk about it. And it's with me. She does talk about it with me. And I just feel like it's, um, I mean, I love social emotional learning and it's something that happens naturally, whether, you know, but are we present to it? And I just, I think that's the biggest challenge is to be present to the experiential learning of, communicating and exchanging love really and then trying to weed out all the other stuff that is not love because <laughs> there's a lot of that <laughs> oh thank you 
have a wonderful adventure, Emma. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's just been just so rich, so rich. Just mm -hmm. appreciate knowing you too so much. Thank you. Oh no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for providing the opportunity. Wonderful to meet you. Yeah. Likewise. Yes. Good to meet you too. Good. <laughs> I'll be in touch. Okay. And please send any links or anything that you want, because I'm sure that there are people that would like to be in touch with you. Okay. Okay. We'll do. <laughs> Bye. Bye. After this conversation, Emma wrote that she enjoyed our conversation because it gave her an opportunity to step back and reflect on her family's life through the homeschooling, deschooling, and unschooling lenses, which helped her to know even more solidly what she thinks and what she knows to be best for her family's well-being. I'm glad this conversation could do that for her. And I'm really grateful for all that she shared with us so honestly. The resources Emma shared, which you can find in this show's notes, are created by current or veteran homeschool mamas who know the territory because they have lived it. You'll also want to check out Dawn's site, which I learned about after this conversation. But as soon as I saw it, started looking through it, I extended another invitation to her after um, asking, uh, asking her to share her knowledge and expertise as a board-certified holistic health coach since 2013. I, I didn't even know that she had that uh, uh, status as a health coach. And on her website, she had, explains that she has helped her son overcome learning and behavioral challenges that were pretty serious by helping him with uh, simple dietary changes. So Dawn's website is dawnnavacoaching.com. You, you can see it in the show's notes. Again, thank you for being here in this great community of learners. When you get a chance, if you haven't already, please like the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast Facebook page. Okay, thank you. Thank you.